Kings Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me on this first portion of the podcast, one of my favorite locker room guys that the Sacramento Kings have ever had, Mr. Costa Kufis, the big man out of Ohio. Costa, what's going on? Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Just uh, just working out, same old every day. Same old every day. Now you're just back. You just got back from Greece, uh, and, and I love you know we've you and I exchanged pictures of like where we're sitting. You're you're looking out over this beautiful coastline, and I have this beautiful lake view. Uh, what is that like for you to go and play for Greece? I just want to get it out of the way early. I, I know you guys wish you're in the Olympics, but what is it like to play for your country? You know, it's a blessing, you know, being Greek-American and to represent your country and to play a lot and to play well and have, you know, the fans and the people in Greece, you know, cheer you on. And anywhere you go, even in the U.S. and the big cities, you know, they're, you have the Greek flags waving and it's, there's no better feeling in the world to have that much support, especially with Greeks. You know, Greeks are very proud of their heritage and, and you know, they're, they're very supportive of others. You know, you're watching DeMarcus head into the Olympics. You got to wish that you could you could be there, right, doing this and getting to represent Greece. And, and and how proud are you of DeMarcus for getting this opportunity himself? I mean, you know, it's you know, I'm very proud. But, you know, it's a no-brainer. You know, he's the one of the best big men in the NBA. And, you know, DeMarcus, you know, even on an off night, will get you 20 and 15, which is unbelievable. And, uh, you know, for him representing the USA, it's, you know, it's, it's an honor for him. And, you know, I'm sure they're going to do very well, like they always do every summer. And, uh you know, I, I wish them health and success. You know, you're a guy, like I mentioned in when I brought you on, you're a locker room guy. You're a guy that I always enjoy talking to because when we get you on, when there's cameras rolling, you tend to, uh, we, we've talked about that. You, you speak in cliches. We laugh about it. We have a good time with it. But off the record, you're super funny. You're really relaxed. You're a guy that can really help bring others uh, sort of, personalities out and others again you're a movie line guy what is it that's made you that way because a lot of players come into the league and they just think that it's about being a star and about you know raising your brand but you seem to understand that you're here for a role that that you're very well uh, your understanding of who and what you are as a player is very developed how did you get there and how does that work out for you and, uh, and I, I appreciate that. I mean, I think for me, you know, my upbringing, you know, my mother, I feel like, you know, raised me very well. And she was my role model growing up. And my father passed away at a young age. And uh, she basically told me, you know, just whatever you do, you know, just, just make, make life simple as possible. Do your best with everything, whether it's basketball, schoolwork, or just any other little thing besides those two things. And, uh, you know, just have a positive outlook in life. Because I, I have a mindset, there's always somebody out there that has it worse than you. And, uh you know, life, you know, you're going to go through ups and downs, but it's overcoming those obstacles that make you successful. And, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, I've done very well for, my, for what I've accomplished, but also there's a lot of room to improve. You know, you, you brought up your, uh, your mother and your father there, and I know you were young. You were 11 when your father passed. We've never really oh, talked nine, about that. Nine years old. Nine, nine oh, years nine, old, nine. Okay. Uh, we've never really talked about that, but how much does that define who you are and sort of – change your life trajectory and how you appreciate things as you move forward? You know, it, life is very fragile. And, uh, you know, having the mindset of, you know, don't stress out over the little things, you know, it's easier said than done. But, you know, witnessing my father going through chemo and seeing all that at a young age, you know, it, it doesn't, you don't realize until you get older and realize what he actually went through and how strong of a person he was and a father he was to, to his family. And, uh, you know, he was a pediatric oncologist, and, you know, he worked with cancer patients while he had cancer. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, what I, what I want to do, what I want to accomplish is, you know, help the community just like he did, you know, setting up a 
501c3 with, you know, Akron Children's Hospital and building basketball courts here and there locally and, you know, helping the kids in the community have a better life and, you know, trying to put smiles on people's faces in the community within Canton and, and possibly other places. Now, this is something you've done for a while, I assume. It's something that you're building and uh, your legacy is going to be more as than just a basketball player, right? You have bigger plans as far as what your legacy will be as a person. You know, for me, I use basketball as an outlook for, uh, you know, for something else, for, for helping others in the community. That's that's my number one goal. You know, basketball is my passion. I love it. And I will, I will always love it for the rest of my life. But like like most athletes, if not all athletes, their, their time is, is limited with how much they can play. And you have to maximize as much as possible on and off the court. And with me, you know, my, my goal is to, you know, you know, when I retire is, you know, do, do a foundation, you know, help the community within Canton and, you know, start generating more camps, you know, and, you know, the camps I have, you know, I'm nine years running, you know, they're very, they're very cheap and, you know, I, I lose money off of them and I donate all the money to the school and, and to the program on basketball. And I, I want to do stuff like that, you know, to, to more of an extent. Okay. So let's get into a little bit of the basketball side. Um, you watched, you've played for George Carl and you've been sort of at the height of George Carl and to see this season and how it played out, how how sort of bummed out are you to see sort of his last season in the NBA go this way and, you know, sort of the ups and downs that you guys all went through, but really to know that, you know, a basketball legend is probably, you probably won't step on the court as a head coach again, and it's just sort of an uncomfortable way that it finished, and you know him probably better than any of the other Kings. Yeah. Uh, you know, George Carl is a Hall of Famer. Everybody knows that. You know, when I was in Denver, you know, he he was one of the best. You know, that's why he got coach of the year. You know, in Sacramento, you know, it, it goes both ways with players and coaching staff. And uh, and it, we all understand on both sides that it's a business. And, you know, you have to move forward and turn the page and move on. And, uh, you know, George Carr is, is a great coach. And, you know, I learned a lot from him. You know, I, I learned a lot from him from the four years I was in Denver and from the year I was in Sacramento. Okay, so now it's kind of strange. Everywhere you go in Sacramento, now you have another coach that you already played for. Uh, Dave Yeager is now the head coach of the Sacramento Kings. It's been a whirlwind offseason. You played with Yeager in Memphis. Uh, and what are you expecting from him, and what can you tell people about him as a head coach uh, since you have played for him in the past? Well, I mean, you know, I enjoy my time in Memphis. And likewise with George Carl, I learned a lot from Yeager as well. You know, he had a lot of success in Memphis and making the playoffs for all, the whole time he was there every year. And uh, even this past season, you know, he was shorthanded. He still had, he still accomplished in making the playoffs, and that's that shows that's a testament to his character. You know, he he showed he showed a lot a lot of strength and courage this year. And uh, for this season, you know, it's uh, you know it's a different style of basketball. You know, it's just one of those things that, like I said before, you know, most players and coaches have to have to work together and uh you know we're just going to continue to take it day by day you know coach Yeager is, is is very excited and once you have the coach excited you know you can get the players excited and of course you have a new arena as well that's got to be some sort of excitement you haven't been back in a little while I assume but I mean the things I think it's 60 days until completion less than 60 days until completion is that something you're looking forward to getting in that new building and sort of getting your feet wet yeah, for sure. You know, it's definitely good for the uh, organization having your arena, you know, a new look. And uh, I know the fans are excited, especially downtown, you know, going out to eat and have all the fans, you know, talk about the new arena and hearing rumblings of, you know, how much how much better this will help the city. And, you know, it certainly will. You know, it's going to be, you know, in my opinion, it's going to be like the L.A. Live type of setting, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, so, I mean that's, definitely, that's definitely a positive for the city of Sacramento. All right, so on draft night, the uh, the Kings selected <laughs> Papa Giannis. And, and you know what? I, I think as, as someone who – everyone just believes that all Greek people know each other. So, uh, But I, I reached out to you, and you haven't met uh, uh, Papa Giannis before. What is it? Have you talked to people? I know you're, you've been in Greece. Have you talked to people and, and said, hey, what's he like? How is he as a player? How is he as a kid? Um, you know, yeah, I don't really know him personally. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to get to know him. He's my teammate, obviously. But, uh, no, I heard a lot of good things. You know, he has, he has a lot of potential. 
and uh, he's tall. He's got decent hands. And, uh, you know, as long as he continues to work hard, you know, the sky's the limit for him and the other rookie, too, which which I heard good things about as well. Yeah, Skull, you're going to absolutely – Yeah, Scal, you're going to love Scal. He's absolutely a breath of fresh air. I can't wait for everyone to get back and kind of get to be around him. He's, he's a very unique kid who, uh, you know, has been through a lot himself, the whole – you know, getting right. caught in the Haitian earthquakes and being trapped under rubble and everything. He's an amazing young guy. I, I think you're going to really like him. I, I haven't met Malachi yet, but uh, I think you are going to sort of find those guys to be a breath of fresh air, at least at least scowl for sure. Um, but you know and I know yeah. it's crowded. How How is that going to work out with all of these bodies? And is it just going to be, I mean, are you going to be a mentor uh, to a guy like Papianis, what is it that you're looking to do this season? I mean, what I'm looking to do this season is to play more minutes. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I feel like I, I'm a, I, I'm a star caliber player. You know, I've showed I can start in this league. You know, I've, I've been I've done that. I've proven that it's night in, night out when I've started. You know, uh, whether what my role is, you know, I'm going to continue to, to work hard and play hard, whatever minutes I get, and help the team win games. Um, you know, we understand it's a business. You know, I'm going to help the guys out as much as possible, as much as I can. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of talent on the roster. And uh, whether, you know, we all understand it's a business, whether it was trade happens or not, you know, what, regardless if I'm with the organization or with another organization, we continue to play hard and, and continue to do what I do and, and work every day and enjoy the game I love. Is there something about being a – being a role player and being a guy who's sort of been in different situations and moved around a little bit in your career, that gives you a little bit more peace of mind uh, about the uncertainty of the future of you or, or Rudy. Cause I know like a guy like Rudy, he used to being the star and he's got young kids and it, these situations can just snowball and be so stressful, but you've always been pretty laid back about stuff like this. Is it just, sort of your demeanor or is it about maybe being a role player and being someone who has to accept things the way that they are? This is my mindset coming in as a 19 year old rookie, you know, you know, trades happen, you know, it's a business. Everybody's going to say that, you know, that that's a typical answer with a business, but it's true though. You know, if, if trades were to happen, you know, you, you move on, turn the page, you chopped in your life, you city and play your hardest and that's it. You know, that's how you look at it. You simplify everything and everything comes back to you tenfold in the positive. Now you're ready to be back in SAC though, right? I mean, you're, you're planning on being here. This is where you signed your contract and this is where, what you believe, you know, as of right now, where you'll be, right? I mean, I have an open mind to anything, you know, with, if I'm with Sacramento, you know, I'm going to play my hardest like I have been. And if I'm in a different organization, I'm going to continue that, continue that, uh, can you play hard in that other organization, whether it may be a trade or not? You know, I'm, I'm going to be professional and I work hard wherever I'm at. All right. I, I don't want to keep dragging you into that because it, it's just the unfortunate part uh, uh, of the NBA. It's the reality of the NBA. So, um, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it's not something that you can control at all. I, I think what you can control is your effort on the court, the way that you – show up to work every day and that you promote yourself in the locker room and that you're, you know, the way that you're a teammate. And I think you've always proven to be really, really good at all of that other stuff. So I'm sure there's not going to be any issue. I just know this is, this is one of those weird off seasons where your team last year, you joined the team and there was a lot of new faces. And again, this year you're here and there's a lot of new faces. Is that something that you just, as an NBA player have to get used to just, the, I don't know if it's the fragility of it all, the the way that it's it's almost fleeting. You just really don't know day to day, month to month, year to year, where you might be, who you might be with, and you know you just have to take it all in stride. Yeah, you just take it all in stride, like you said. You know, it's you know, like you like I've said many times in this podcast. You know, it, it's a business. You just have to roll with it, and continue to give your best effort. I know that's a politically correct answer to say, but that's. That's the right answer. Is the true answer. You know, it's you know whether you have twenty bigs or twenty guards. You know, you know depending on the situation, you just find a way to make it work regardless of the situation. Is all right. So, look, what's what's going on with you the rest of the summer before uh, training camp, and sort of how do you like to finish off? What are you working on? What are you trying to improve? And, and what are we going to see from Costa this season? 
Um, you know, you're going to see consistency again. You know, whether I play more or not, I'm going to do what I can. And, uh, you know, you know, I feel like, you know, I've trimmed out a lot. I've leaned out a lot. I've been working on my offensive game a lot more and uh, got a lot stronger. And my conditioning is on a whole different level. And I'm excited for that transition to the basketball court this season. And, uh, you know, it's going to show during the games. And, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm excited to help the team win. All right. And we've seen some some clips of you doing some crazy dunks. What's that all about? Yeah, I mean, after a while, if you don't have fun with what you do, then I, you know, I'm a firm believer. If you don't have fun with what you do, then you shouldn't do it at all. You know, I do, you know, just do a little bit of dunks after my workouts, you know, after a hard day and just, just have some fun afterwards. And, uh, some things I've been doing and working out with, you know, David here locally. And, uh, it's a, uh, you know, it's a good situation here for me. Just, you know, every morning get a lot of shots up, work on my post game, you know, run on the, run on the, uh, run on the track and lift, and then afterwards, you know, mess around a little bit in the court for 10, 15 minutes. That sounds good. It sounds like a good summer of basketball. I know, again, you got to play for your country, so you actually got some gameplay in, which a lot of players don't get in. Uh, you've you've had a lot of changes on the roster, and you have no idea what the future holds, but it seems like you're, you're always upbeat, and your personality is that you're just going to take it all in stride. And, and I think when you're an NBA player, that's kind of the way you have to be, right? For sure, you have to be that way. And, you know, don't lose sleep over the little things and, you know, continue to improve as a person on and off the court. All right, Costa. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, for jumping on and, and hopping on the show. Uh, I, I personally hope that you're here for the entirety of the remaining three years on your contract and then maybe a few years after that. Uh, you've always been a very, very pleasant man to deal with in the locker room. And, you know, thank it is, you. I appreciate that. It's Sacramento. I haven't always had to. I haven't always had the ability to say that about some of the people that have come through town. So again, I, I wish you nothing but the best. I hope that it all works out. What's best for you and what's best for everyone involved. So uh, hopefully, we'll see you in September. All right, Dan. I appreciate the call. Welcome back to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me as always. Mr. Aaron Bruski of hoop-ball.com. AB, what's going on? I'm having a great day because I'm I'm done with the projections for hoop ball, and that's a just a massive um, undertaking. I think I was actually either started doing it or doing it when we did our last podcast. Uh, anyway, it's been about a week straight of just hardcore number crunching, and today was my first day off. So I'm a happy guy. I'm going to make your eyes go kind of cross-eyed doing all those numbers. I mean, there's a lot of numbers. Not just like, you go pretty deep. You know, I I don't know if I would stretch the decimal points out like three point three spots. That's some that's some intense work, Aaron Bruski. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, I, I don't actually intend on doing that. That's just an Excel thing. But um, we do get pretty intense with the numbers and you know with the way that 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 these numbers work you have to actually be pretty good with analytics i'm not a big analytics guy but i respect it and um we've been pretty accurate with these projections throughout the years so it's good to have this done normally i get it done closer to the end of september or say like mid-october even at times so to be done on august 1st or thereabouts it's pretty cool yeah, that's good, dude. That's good. I mean, there's always going to be a little bit of adjusting as as the rosters are finalized as we get closer to the season. Um, but I guess, you know, let's start there because you and I have talked about this in the past, the the Russell Westbrook domino that had to fall. How shocked are you that Sam Presti was able to pull off the coup, the coup of the century and extend him just for a couple of years, but extend Russell Westbrook and keep him in Oklahoma? You know, I I, I kind of had a feeling this was coming because the um, the Adrian Wojnarowski uh, reporting train got real aggressive on the idea of him staying. And, you know, when you follow media, as we do so closely, I, I thought to myself, I was like, man, you know, uh, you know, and Kings fans, hold your jokes aside. I know what you're, I know what you're thinking right now as you're hearing this, but I'm sitting here thinking, man, Woj, he's got the hand, you know. I, I kind of think he's going to stay because Woj was really pushing hard on that angle that Westbrook would stay. There were other reports out there, obviously, you know, heading in other directions, but I, I just felt like Woj had the inside track on it. And so not too surprised. And then you read Woj's piece coming out of the 
the the signing, and it really does set Russell Westbrook up as kind of the uh, anti Kevin Durant. So now that story can take a life of its own. I really can't wait to see these guys. I hope they play on Christmas Day. I know that the finals uh, teams generally play on Christmas Day, but I just think that this rivalry supersedes that. We've seen Warriors, Warriors, Cavs enough, and we need to see Russell Westbrook v. Kevin Durant. You know, I love it. To be honest with you, I, I think that that team is very talented. The OKC OKC team. Um, I really like. I really like Oladipo. Um, I, I'm not a huge Enos Cantor guy, but at the same time, he can be a legitimate second scoring option for you in the post. Uh, I love I love Adams. Uh, Roberson is nice. I, I mean, I want to see where that team can go with him at the helm, with Westbrook full-fledged, like unadulterated, Westbrook is the man, let's let him do his thing. And I don't know where I don't know if they'll be as good, uh, but I think it's very possible that in season one they do something like forty-eight wins plus, and then I think they build from there as those young those young players mature and sort of grow into their role with Westbrook at the helm. I think that that team has a ton of potential to do some amazing things. There are people are sleeping on Oladipo. This is a guy who's really been almost held back by coaching in Orlando, and. You know, I actually heard somebody say he couldn't play defense the other day. I mean, I don't know where people are getting their opinions from on this. Um, he, Those two defensively, and when you throw in Andre Roberson, the teams are going to have a real hard time getting free. And so I think you see that team take on a defensive posture. I think you see both guards clean up whatever kind of issues they have on that end and really just lock guys down. They're going to have a shooting issue. But they also have guys like Anthony Morrow and Ursan Ilyasova. And, you know, I, I think Ennis Cantor will probably end up out at three-point range eventually in a couple years. So they've got the makings. It's not like they're dead in the water with the shooting issue. You could always pick up shooters in free agency. They're just going to be a real tough team. And defensively against the Warriors, they also have the makings of being able to cover them. When you have Oladipo and Westbrook able to cover Steph and Clay, mm-hmm. you've got Steven Adams to cover Draymond Green. And then you got Andre Roberson to cover Kevin Durant. It's a really good matchup for the Thunder. So I, I'm, I'm just thrilled because I do think that if that didn't happen, that the Warriors would probably run away with it this year. Well, and I also think that it would have been really bad for the NBA. I mean, I, I am, I mean, we cover the Sacramento Kings. You got to be a little bit of a small market guy. And you're pulling for them to just not implode and fall apart. I mean, that they were so close to going to the finals. And I thought every I thought they were going to the finals. I thought that they were going to beat the Warriors, and then to watch that team just kind of implode, I, I was really kind of sad to see it happen because I know they are a small community. It's tough for them to go out and sign free agents. It's tough for them to rebuild. They they had to do it a certain way, and that was you know to Durant, uh, land Durant at number two, to Durant, uh, land Westbrook at what number five, and Harden at number three. And, and build through the draft, and not just build through the draft, but hit home run after home run after home run in the draft. That's how they had to build that team, and it's how the Kings should have built their team. They just missed a time and time again. They're sort of the anti-Kings, although they did have the benefit of, you know, landing the second pick in one of the in a very strong draft and having Durant fall to them and not Greg Oden. So I mean, there are some advantageous things that have happened for them. But still, this is a really, really good organization that didn't deserve to just kind of dissolve because it would have been really ugly for that team had they lost both of those guys within the span of a couple of months. It, it, it would, I didn't want to see that happen. And Russell Westbrook's one of the league's great players, and he's he's one of these guys that people love to watch because of his energy, his enthusiasm, his his fearlessness and his reckless abandon and desire to win and that you want to see in a championship position. So him being still in the mix, so to speak, rather than going to L.A. or New York where it's going to take a little while, that's really helping out the league. And I think from a fan perspective, just being able to watch that, that, that rivalry game, it's going to have something to it. I mean, I believe that there was a little bit of a falling out between those two guys. Oh yeah. And Kevin Durant might, you know, I'll tell you, if you read the way that Woj wrote that piece, I, he really lit into Kevin Durant and 
the way that KD made his decision. He made KD seem like a waffly guy who just kind of picks his inner circle willy-nilly and, you know, that somebody new has his ear every other day and that KD made this easy choice to, you know, do the do the whole super teams thing, which is a, just kind of a dumb argument. Um, super teams have been around forever and they'll always be around forever. But um, that rivalry is going to be intense. When Kevin Durant comes to Oklahoma City, he's going to get an earful. And at the, on the other hand, Russell Westbrook will be the town hero and, and probably the hero that they deserve. Well, and, and I know it sounds really strange, but we've been hearing that Durant might go to Golden State for a year. So how is it that he he's just, you know, willy-nilly just choosing wherever he's going to go at the last second? I think he had a really good idea. And then when he got through that playoff run and he realized that that might be the pinnacle, that might be the best they can do. Although, again, I would have liked to have seen Durant with Oladipo on his side and, and Westbrook and, you know, really very similar team outside of Serge Ibaka being gone. I think that would have been intriguing as well. So... Um, I, I don't know, and the reason I bring up the Westbrook deal is that it's it's sort of the precursor for what happens next. Now, we still have a bunch of teams with a bunch of money and a bunch of teams with a bunch of ass- assets, and what does that mean for the Kings? What does that mean for guys like Rudy Gay, guys like Costa Kufas, who we had uh, on earlier in the show, um, and guys like Ben McLemore? Does that make make it a little easier to start moving and and wheeling and dealing because he was a linchpin. He was the guy that you were kind of waiting once he, he decided what he was going to do in the, and the thunder decided what they were going to do with him. Then you thought, okay, so now this thing is going to break loose. What do you think it does for the rest of these guys? Does it help the Kings or, or are we just in a holding pattern? I'm a little wary of saying that this is going to knock things loose just because the Blake Griffin situation doesn't seem easy. Um, there's a report that Oklahoma City will go after Blake in the offseason, which is a natural decision given the fact he's from Oklahoma. And the um, you know the, the positional need is there for Oklahoma City. It's a good fit. Um, but Doc Rivers went out a week, maybe 10 days ago, and said, there's no way we're trading him. And he went out and played that card. And, you know, Doc says things like that. Sometimes they don't eventually pan out. Um, Boston, I'm guessing, lowballed them. And that's why they're just sitting there posturing. But now the next chip to fall or the next domino to fall is Blake Griffin. That team in L.A. was constructed to basically bring the band back together and make another run at it. And I think their hope is that somebody gets injured in front of them and then they can maybe luck into something. Um, but the moves that they made were very short term designed to win now. And that makes me concerned that they're just going to hold on to Blake Griffin until they get a godfather offer. And if not, they're ready to just go play. So what that means is that the the market stalls out. And I think teams might start to sense that and then say, OK, we're just going to plan for Blake being over there in L.A. And we're going to start making other moves. And then that's where the Kings and some other mid-tier trade market teams get in there and start making some noise. So it might be a couple weeks. We might have a couple of these podcasts where there's not a lot going on. Well, what I'm hearing from inside is, look, it's very possible that Rudy Gay is a Sacramento King uh, when when training camp opens and when the season starts. It's very possible. And that's because the Kings refuse to give him away for nothing. They're just not going to do it. And so there's going to come a point where the Kings have to make some sort of decision on Rudy uh, they know what he wants to do, and and that's been very clear. And there's been conversations between Rudy and the front office now. They're on the same page as much as they can be. But at the same time, again, this situation, the only way it gets solved is if there is a deal that makes sense for the Sacramento Kings. What do you think, though? Uh, so, when, you know, again, you project these things, but when you're looking at Omri Caspi and and Barnes and Garrett Temple, all of these guys that can play the three, Aflalo and Malachi Richardson, all of these guys can play the three. Even Ben uh, McLemore can play the three. How do you fit all of them together? Because it's not like there's any room at the four. The four is just as jammed as the three. I look at the four as not quite as jammed just simply because Omri, I look at he's realistically a three. Rudy, I, I know it's fun to play him at the four, but he's realistically a three. 
Um, Barnes, same thing. So I look at the four as a little bit more open. But again, those those minutes will be filled if it's not Anthony Tolliver. And we could talk a little bit about, you know, if Anthony Tolliver is not in the rotation to start the season, then that's a pretty expensive non-rotational guy, even though he did win teammate of the year. And so did Garrett Temple. And um, so did Quincy Yancey. Oh, did he really? Yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah. Oh, Quincy wanted to? Jeez. Well, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> the, but the idea, so if Anthony Tolliver plays his token 17 minutes a game, which he seems to do every single year, that's coming at the, the power forward position. And then that stresses out the three position with Rudy Gay, Matt Barnes, and Omri Caspi. So I, I look at four. Yeah, it's clogged. I'm not convinced that Anthony Tolliver plays every night. I, I think that some combination of Omri, Matt, or Rudy at the four makes a lot more sense from them for them strategically. So I look at the three and the two as places where you can kind of backfill minutes. But overall, this is a very versatile team. You know, Garrett Temple can play from point guard to small forward. We've talked about that ad nauseum. Uh-huh. Yep. Aaron Aflalo can play two and three. Macklemore, like you said, can play two and three. So what I think ends up happening here is if Rudy ends up staying, everybody else's minutes just take a small hit. Aaron Aflalo probably plays 28 minutes a game. Ben Macklemore, you know, I've got him slated for, for more minutes than he might end up playing, but I could see him playing 23 minutes a game. You know, Garrett Temple will be in the low 20s. Uh, but now if Rudy Gay gets traded and depending on what comes back, then they do have these players do have the ability to play more minutes than I currently have them projected at. And and that's a good thing for the Kings. It means that they can make a trade for Rudy Gay, get a draft pick in return if they want to and not be thin in their ranks. So I, I think they're a pretty flexible team right now. It's just, again, what's on the other side of the, the table in the trade market and we'll just have to see if things start to jiggle loose and, and teams want to make moves. And Boston's probably somebody to keep an eye on because they're the ones with all the assets. Yeah, they are the ones with all the assets. So, I, I mean, and we still have this situation that the Kings don't have a point guard. I mean, they've got Collison. And, and I keep stressing this. People keep saying, OK, well, Collison's there. And it's like, I don't care how many games he gets suspended. You know, if it's going to be two or if it's going to be five or it's going to be 10 or if it's going to be 20. We have no idea. That That's my point. Uh, but the other on top of that. He's under contract for one more season. That's it. This is it. So the Kings, not only do they not have a second option outside of Garrett Temple right now at the point guard spot, they have no future at the point guard spot. They have no one coming up through the ranks ready to go take it on. So this is a huge dilemma. And I know, uh, just so people know, Collison was supposed to be in, in court uh, late this week, he uh, there was another continuance. Basically, the attorneys from both sides weren't ready to proceed, and they mutually agreed to push back the court date one more week. Um, it, it's just one of those deals where this happens a lot. But now we're getting it, it, it's it's going to be settled. I, I think the the case is supposed to go to trial. Um, well, the the cases they reconvene next week. Uh, I think it was literally a seven-day extension so we should know something late next week and then the nba will be ready to pounce right after that the nba won't take you know two or three weeks to make a decision on what's going to happen with collison suspension um but it's it's just not a super pleasant situation to deal with and you know it's something that the kings the kings wish it was over sooner rather than later but they have to feel that spot and you know again we talked about this in the last couple of podcasts in a perfect world, Darren Collison is playing back up two minutes for this team this season. And as and some point guard minutes and lots of point guard minutes. But he pretty much is their lone option. And I mean, you project him some pretty fat numbers, you know, sixteen and a half points. I mean, you got him, you know, shooting shooting really well, which he, he has performed extremely well of late, but you know, thirty six percent from three uh your assist totals are you know about 5.6 the kings are going to need more assists where are they going to get those from where are they get is it just something you think they're going to find in a more fluid open offense yeah i think they're going to struggle in the area of assists but again i think that the assist numbers naturally go down for any team with a strong post presence so you know if you don't have point cards, you don't really prepare for having a free freewheeling, you know, passing offense, especially if you're your big man's on, you know, starting on Team USA and can move people around at will. So that's 
at least one silver lining for the fact that there aren't any assist totals here to be had. You know, I mean, if we're stretching and and I think that the acquisition of Lamar Patterson, you know, that's going to be your backup point guard. You think so? When He's never really I played th- point guard at all. No, I mean, but he can he can pass. And that's really all you need for 10 minutes a game while Garrett Temple probably plays 36 minutes a night during those first few games. Um, it's not it, the, the point guard situation is not pretty. And the uh, Papianis pick will be, you know, kind of covered in detail, yeah. <laughs> scrutinized for years to come because, you know, Wade Baldwin was around and there's other ways that you can manufacture a point guard. Um, and, and maybe who knows, maybe the final maneuver here in free agency will bring back a point guard. Um, it's not a great situation from a, you know, an injury standpoint. If Darren Carlson goes down, yeah, Garrett Temple can fill in and he'll do a good job. I'm, I'm pretty high on Garrett Temple, but then you're just one more injury away from complete chaos. And that's where you just don't want to be. So, uh, also, a couple of uh, interesting names have come off the market, like Ronnie Price, I thought would be a great fit for the Kings. Um, so I, that's a little questionable because you're just wondering, okay, hey, you got this position of weakness. Who can we get that's a veteran to bring in to solidify the position? And it ha- hasn't happened yet. So it makes me think they've got something cooking in that department. But, yeah, no assists. Um, you know, you can't you know, squeeze blood from a rock. It's just not going to happen. So I do think that that points towards a post offense. Yeah, and you know what? I was watching, I was going through and looking at Rudy Gates' stats, and I'll say for all of the the people who either love or hate Rudy Gay, I know there are a lot of people who are kind of done watching him. Um, in in Over the last two seasons, it's been night and day what his role was with his team. And I was so shocked to see he had gone the 2014-15 season. He averaged, uh, I think it was 3.7 assists per game. And that number dropped to 1.7 last year. His uh, his assist percentage dropped from 19%, a career high, to 9%. They just took the ball out of his hands. He shot two less shots. He shot two less free throws. And the two less free throws tell you more than the two less shots. Because two less free throws means he's not creating for himself and others and taking the ball, taking people off the dribble. So really, I hate, I hate saying this, but it might be the best option is to keep him because he is a guy who's going to, he is the only guy at that small forward spot outside of maybe temple. that can honestly get you a major increase in assists who can actually, you know, create and, and help other people at some point. Cause I mean, Omri Caspi's never even come close to 3.7 assists per game. And same with Matt Barnes. I mean, that's just, that's not who they are as players. So I think people should keep an open mind about Rudy Gay and the potential for him to still be on this team. I, I think I said it last week. I think he should – I think this is a really good fit for him. So I, I hope he changed – if his mind has been changed about Sacramento, I hope that for his sake he changes his mind and realizes that this is a good spot for him. And because the Kings need scoring, like you've just said, they need passing. And he is a guy that can attract defensive attention – Ergo, he can get rid of the ball and, and make some things happen. Matt Barnes, I think, will be a guy that helps move the ball around. And I think that's why they went out and picked up a Lamar Patterson because they're probably just looking for players that can double as passers. Because this is this assist crunch, is it's real. Um, you cannot just sit here and blindly say one of these guys is going to go way above career norms. And, and all of them, you know, their assist totals that I've got projected here, they're actually, you know, probably higher than they should be. And so um, it, it just all to me, it points towards a post offense. And if they go that route, and I'm pretty sure they will, then it'll be good. I think the Kings will benefit from having a post offense. And the assist totals might not be great, but they'll have a lot of open shots. Yeah, and the one thing I'm going to bring up too is while we keep discussing this, we're kind of, it's really kind of horrible, but we're freezing out the rookies. I mean, you and I both believe that if Ben McLemore's on the team, he's probably going to play a lot more than Malachi Richardson. Uh, Scully Bissier is going to play a few minutes here and there, but he's going to play behind Tolliver and and Cauley Stein, and we can keep going because there are a lot more that can play that position. Rudy Gay and Omri Caspi and Matt Barnes, they're all going to play that four position. So, And then, again... The Kings almost can't trade Costa Cufas, although, you know, 
he could he knows very well that he was very honest like i don't know if i'll be there next year or not he he actually told me he weighs like 245 right now he's he's five percent body fat i i saw him like there was a there was a video that someone posted of him online doing uh i think it's the isaiah rider or harold minor um between the legs dunk and i'm like holy cow that's costa kufa's like hammering and he looks so good but again you know what style of offense and he he left memphis because he wasn't happy with the amount of minutes he was playing under dave yeager and now dave yeager is his coach again and now they've got a crowded front line that i mean so many bodies so i mean they but they're gonna need him it looks like they're gonna need him so what how do you balance this because i think that was one of the the nice things about free agency when it first started, everyone's like, okay, they really did a nice job of adding veteran pieces to go with young players. But now, because you can't, you haven't got rid of these other three pieces that you've kind of put on the block, and you're kind of having to pull them back off the block, well, they're going to make things a lot more crowded and, and funky to deal with. So, again, are we playing for the future? Are we playing for now? Uh, it you can't walk in a next season without Malachi Richardson and Scal and Bobby Giannis playing at all. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, if they, those guys are just killing it in Reno. What do you do? That doesn't help you. Yeah, I think Malachi sees some minutes because if anything, this team needs scoring, and that the, his positions are the the lightest of of the bunch. But the, 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 these guys aren't going to play. That's the bottom line. Yorgos isn't going to play. Scal's not going to play. I'm not even sure Tolliver plays, but I, I think they'll find a way to make it work because he can play 10 minutes for you, and, and he's not going to be upset, and you could probably squeeze 10 minutes out of him somewhere. Um, but, but for $8 yeah, million not, a year? Yikes. Well, that's the thing, and I think what you're seeing is like those signings were good in a vacuum, but teams, when they, they overvalue the asset that they hold, they end up squeezing all the value out of the asset as they wait for the perfect deal to come along and i've just been a proponent of this not just for the kings but for all these teams you know clear across the league is get rid of your asset while you can you know if you want to sell your house at five hundred and fifty thousand, but you're not budging and you could have sold it at 500 and then the market tanks you know where are you at it's pretty simple stuff so you know with rudy who i think is a good fit for the kings you know with ben and and with Costa, maybe you can make a trade and get a, another big man back. Uh, maybe you can just suck it up and play Anthony Tolliver at the five, even though that's just kind of crazy talk. But you probably Stein get away with it. You can play Collie Stein at the five. I think Collie Stein's gonna play at the five all year anyway. Um, and, and whether who you're calling the five between him and Demarcus Cousins is just semantics to me. But I think Collie Stein, I've got him slotted in for all five minutes. Um, I think you could get away with Tolliver for like 10 minutes at the five. He blocked shots semi-decently, but again, any really above average big man is going to eat him alive. So I don't know though. I mean, cause if, if you're, if you don't trade Rudy Gay, we talked about this last podcast, he's going to hit that asset will depreciate throughout the rest of the year. And well, if you're playing walk. for the, yeah, he'll walk. Well, that's the thing. It's like you're going to play for the trade deadline. You know, if, if the line of thinking comes down from the front office, we don't like what we're getting and we're just going to roll this thing out to the trade deadline. Well, you know, what are you really doing this season? Like, are you you're playing for that eight seed? Are you, you know, are you even going to get to that eight seed? And, you know, what are you doing for the development of your team? And you do have this DeMarcus Cousins situation. But the thing with him has always been you've got to win to show him that he should stick around. And there's this this group of people that don't want him to stick around. So, you know, anything that fits that narrative, you know, they kind of latch on to. But you you can't sit here and have another unproductive season and expect him to want to stay. So if the idea is let's wait till the trade deadline and hope the offers get better. Well, you know, you could be opening Pandora's box with that strategy. No, I totally agree. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. This is such a wild, wild season. And I think if you really, if you squint a little bit and you look at Tolliver and Aflalo's contracts and you say, okay, they gave, uh, so Tolliver has a $2 million buyout, a buyout for $2 million for next season and Aflalo has a buyout for one point five. I could see a point where if things aren't going well mid-season that they could be used as trade pieces 
to bolster a team that is going to the playoffs, but with the idea that they can be bought out next season. And so they become really movable assets. So maybe that's what they were brought in for. Maybe they're brought in to like, like get me through 30, 40 games before either Malachi or Ben McLemore steps up and does something wonderful. And the same with, with Tolliver, you know, get me through X amount of games before Scowl can step up and, and start playing major minutes or, or someone else can step up and start ta- taking on major minutes. So I guess that that could be a, an avenue where the Kings could improve midseason, where they could actually bring in younger assets, bring in target draft picks to a, a once again improve during the offseason. So just an idea. I mean, because I, I think the Kings are going to have to think outside the box in order to rebuild this team and and keep DeMarcus in two years. I mean, that's really, I think, the goal is to keep DeMarcus in two years. And you gotta, you've got you got to be building towards something when, you know, at midway through this season, you got to know where you're going and you got to start building towards something. I just wonder if they looked at Yorgos' great DeMarcus insurance and then paid way too much for that insurance and at the expense of getting a point guard who maybe they didn't like that much in Wade Baldwin. And and now they're just kind of sitting here in this limbo, you know, sitting Yorgos for a couple years and and then playing this out with the, the, the signings, like you said, we're in a vacuum pretty good. Um, you know, Flalo and uh, Mr. Tolliver there. But have you moved the football forward at all? And that's the question that remains to be answered. So they'll need things to pan out with uh, these pickups here. Garrett Temple will be a key. And then they'll need Yorgos to play well. I mean, even if he's not the DeMarcus insurance, he has to play well to justify what happened in this draft. No matter what they did with Scal, no matter what they did getting Bogdan Bogdanovich to come in, he's that piece has got to develop in two to three years. Otherwise, I'd say this draft wasn't that good. No, I think this draft is going to take a while to determine. I think everyone knows that. So, okay, so... We uh, we don't need to drag this out all day, Aaron. I, I think, but we we do want to talk just really briefly. Uh, Demarcus Cousins and Team USA open up. I think they play China on Saturday. Uh, that shouldn't be a contest at all. We've already seen what China has to offer. Um, a bunch of guys that Demarcus doesn't know their name. Um, that's sort of what China has to offer uh, as far as a team. But also on Saturday. Serbia plays, and people are going to be able to get a good look at uh, at Bogdanovich, and I'm excited to see him play in international play. I think it's midweek or late week. He'll actually play against Team USA, which I think everyone is looking forward to in Sacramento, so they can actually see what he might look like against high level competition. He's gonna, he's they're gonna get killed most likely. But at the same time, you know, you got to kind of hold out that maybe there's something there that we can see. Just that team as a whole, I don't think they have an opportunity to compete with Team USA. They're probably the best of the bracket outside of Team USA. So, I don't know. What do you What do you want to see? Not just from Cousins, but from Bogdanovich. I just want to see him do what he has been doing, and what he has been doing has been competing at a pretty high level, uh, above average play. And, um, you know, you just want to see the quickness up against the real deal. You know, when these you see these European games, they're better than college games by a lot. And then they're probably better than preseason games. But they're definitely a cut below NBA games in terms of the speed and quickness of the players. So you just want to see, can he turn corners? You know, how does he come off screens? Is he getting a shot off against these guys? Because, you know, yeah, that's a stacked Team USA team, but... That's more or less what he's going to see on an every night basis when he plays in the NBA. It's not going to be too much different. And especially with Team USA, probably loafing through a lot of these games. So you just want to see, can he actually make it make it look good on the court against the top tier competition? Yeah, can he create space for himself? Can he get loose from somebody? Uh, does he have the quickness to not just stay in front of someone, but break someone down and get around them? I mean, these are things that you can see. And I think, realistically, he the Kings are hoping that he's what Marco Bellinelli was supposed to be, maybe a little bit better than that. And I, again, I've heard multiple times that most people believe in this year's draft, if he would have been in this year's draft, he would have been a top five player. 
maybe even higher than that in this in this previous in the year that we're we're in right now this summer's draft the Papianas draft uh, so that's pretty high praise and I think everyone needs to relax and kind of let let him come over and, and figure out who he is as a player but again it's the first time we're really going to get to see him play on a stage that makes any sense at all where the talent level is at least you know moderate uh and then and then outstanding when they get to team usa so aaron do you have any final thoughts no no i just um i I think uh we'll just sit back here enjoy a couple slow weeks of of non-crazy nba news but then before you know it i would say probably in about three weeks it's going to be busy again so take these weeks in you know do some fun things out there in the in the outdoor world and and then come back in three weeks and we'll get crazy that's right. I've got uh, I've got the AC guy coming on Tuesday. I will finally have AC. I think it's been since early June that I've I've almost made it through summer without AC. Uh, so that's one good thing coming up. We got back to school. Kids are going back to school. Just a couple of, I think we got like ten days. So some uh, some interesting stuff that's going to happen here. I think right now Kings fans should be ready to resign themselves to Rudy Gay being in a Kings uniform this season. And if something breaks, it's going to come out of nowhere and you're not going to see it coming. And it's going to be like, Holy cow, how did that just happen? So, uh, I think it should be, it should be an interesting, like you said, a quiet couple of weeks, but there's some, there, there's some intrigue here. There's some possibility. And then there's also a possibility that, that Aaron and I are going to be creating content like people like i don't even know how we're gonna do it aaron we're gonna talk about things uh that that you know maybe we we should have been talking about before or maybe we shouldn't talk about at all um yeah we'll get into the uh the the field goal percentage for the entire team we'll just go down one by one and discuss field goal percentage we've got that we've we'll be able to go back and look at statistics and, and maybe maybe look and see how this team will fit together so uh, we, we could break down old the old summer league championship. Yeah. Everybody was so excited about that at the time. Let's break down the summer league championship and and how how they got there. We could we could compare each year starting in 1985, each year Sacramento Kings team to the current roster. <laughs> we we could actually do that, Aaron. We've got the time. Okay. I, or we could just go up to your pontoon boat and, and we could all just hang out. That's right. Let's that's do right. that. Let's do a family hangout. Everyone, all our podcast people, come on out and just hang out on the pontoon boat. That's right. So uh, so I think that's going to do it for this edition of the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Mr. Costa Kufis, for coming in uh, from the beautiful state of Ohio, talking to him on the phone. Uh, yeah, it's... It's really, it's going to be a quiet couple of weeks. So for Aaron Bruski, I am James Ham. We will see you next week. Be safe, have fun, watch some Olympics. Go Boogie Cousins, go Team USA.